0: Welcome back to the swamp my friends and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and downright strange horror stories from the deep woods. As always if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp and stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Don't Go Camping in Unmarked Forest by Riker. I keep an open mind and don't say that weird things exist with certainty like skimwalkers, Bigfoot, etc. But I do believe that it's possible. But I have to see it to believe it if you understand my drift. But now, after this experience that I've recently had, I think in an entire different way. But in Winnipeg, Manitoba, it was a relatively dull day. Nothing exciting was going on here. It could be an excellent area to visit, but I also think it's very boring. I live alone and can do whatever I want. So, ironically, I'm a wilderness person who doesn't do much work around the city. I usually find nice areas near the city, and I did the same this time. It was near southeastern Manitoba. This beautiful area is miles upon miles of dense forest. It took me much longer than I thought it would to get across and into the actual trails itself, but once I did, I immediately went off-trail because I'm more of an off-grid type of guy. Not long after I went off the trail, I noticed a small house, but it was... it was weird because it was completely alone out here. When I got closer, I realized nobody was out there. Nobody at all. I was initially unsettled because I thought I would see someone, but I didn't care after some time gone by. As I got used to the weird feeling all around me, I planned to set up my two-person tent up in the clearing. It was a big clearing, So I wanted to set up relatively close to the woods. I wanted it to borderline the woods, so that's exactly what I did. I took about 20-30 to minutes to set up everything the way I wanted it to, and then I took about 10 minutes to get some sticks for a fire. I wanted to get it going because it would be dark soon, so I also grabbed a flashlight and ensured it had fresh batteries. I walked through the tree line jabbing myself with many thorns and branches due to the lack of sight despite having a flashlight. I eventually made it into another clearing. This one was tiny, but it had what I was looking for. Sticks and branches everywhere. I broke them into smaller pieces, sizable enough for me to carry back to the site without carrying too much. It was getting pretty dark now, and the moon was coming out. Where I typically live, there's a lot of light pollution, so you don't get to see the stars all that much. But out here, they were everywhere. It was amazing. After leaving that area and entering back into my area, my brain presented something to me. When I had left, crickets and birds were rustling in the bushes and making all sorts of noise. But when I re-entered, there was nothing. No noise. Nothing at all. It was like everything had just absolutely left or went mute. Now, like I said, I'm in the remote wilderness. I've done this quite a few times, but this was one thing that I just quite didn't know how to tackle. I've never been in a situation where everything just went mute, even the wind. That's when I felt like something was standing not far from me. I don't know if it was some sort of intuition, but I just felt it. I looked at the forest floor, and I looked up, and felt that I was about to meet eyes with something. They weren't green, Red or any exaggerated color. They were just white, beady, and very round. They were almost glowing, staring endlessly ahead at me. I could see the shadows of its legs and I knew it was on all fours and somewhere around my height. I'm six foot two, so I was absolutely incensed at this point. How was a four-legged animal so dang tall? I was convinced that something else was happening here. Some sort of prank, maybe. But all those thoughts and speculations quickly kicked themselves out of my head when I heard a popping noise. You know that noise your ankles or knees will make when you stand up after sitting down for so long? It was like that, but times five. This happened not only once, but twice. Because that's when it stood up. I had instantly dropped the light. My, I was absolutely so scared I started running for my life, going as fast as I could in any direction that was not the direction this thing was in. I hurried to find my flashlight, and when I did, I quickly shone it forward. I was extremely hesitant because I was scared of what I would see. All I saw were the white eyes lean into the light, getting closer and closer to it. The first physical feature of the creature was unleashed a giant wolf head that made itself clear for at least two seconds as I once again dropped the light out of scaredness and bolted across the field, past my tent and everything else, and jumped into my car. I heard the sound of footsteps so loud and heavy behind me that I felt like the earth was going to open up and split open at any moment. I made it to the gravel path as I made it to my car, I practically threw myself into it. I stopped for only a second to realize that this could not be happening. There is no way I just saw what I did, but then I quickly saw out of the corner of my eye standing in the woodline, those glowing white eyes in the deep dark woods. I drove away never looking back, and I don't think I'll ever go camping there again. My Truly Haunting Camping Experience By Mark M I am currently 24 years old, and this story took place many years ago. I don't quite remember my exact age, but I was probably in my late teens. I was camping with all guys from my family. Three brother-in-laws, three brothers, my dad, and myself. The camp was at Badger Lake near Mount Hood in Oregon. A small creek ran out of the artificial lake full of brook trout. I was fishing for them at the time and doing rather well. So about a mile down the stream, I decided to head back up to camp. Now this forest had a lot of animals around, lots of small and big game, but nothing necessarily too dangerous. I've always seen mountain lion prints here and there, especially in the mud by the lake when the water was low and knew to keep my eye out for predators, but at the time I only had a small 4 inch knife on hand, so as I walked up the creek near the camp, not too far away from the lake, I came to a fork in the trail one side of course going right up to the steep hills and the left going over near to the camp and by the lake. Between the tracks about six feet from one another was a thick brush of berry bushes and young pine trees about five to eight feet tall. As I was walking down the trail I heard heavy raspy breathing that was unmistakably from a bear. The moment I heard them I froze instantly thinking, that if I made a noise, there was a chance that I might scare the bear off or scare him into charging through the brush directly towards me. I pulled out my four-inch, razor-sharp blade, thinking I may have a chance of cutting the bear's stomach open so that after he mauls me, he'll at least die or something. Then, I heard the bear grunt, noticed my presence, and there was an absolute silence. I stood there, knife in hand, heart racing, and praying that the bear would leave me for an easily 15-minute time span. Eventually, I felt safe enough to walk back to the camp quietly. I arrived at the camp, told everybody what had happened, and to this day, I don't set foot into the woods without a firearm, and I try not to go alone. You never know who or what you'll run into the woods, and it's best to keep some sort of self-defense on you, even if it's just a knife. Chilling Skinwalker Encounter by M. The image of this night is forever burned vividly in my memory. I was a 17-year-old girl living in a populated suburb near some woods. My friends and I loved to hang out and decided to have a sleepover in my front yard in a big tent. There were eight of us in total, and as we were loading all of our blankets, pillows, snacks, and all that good stuff into the tent, my one friend, whom we will call Pat, starts screaming, Skimwalker! Pat is very well versed in the knowledge of cryptids. She also knew much about skimwalkers as her grandma was full Navajo. She only tried to scare us a few times, and that's what I was assuming she was doing at this time, so all of us blew it off. But my friend Dre did not take it kindly. She was very spiritual and distraught. Now, fast forward to around 3am. Let me set the scene for you. This tent had a mesh-like roof so you could see out of it. The only light save from our phones was the moon. Let me remind you that we live near a part of the Appalachian Mountain Range in Pennsylvania, and we are in a small suburban population of less than 1,000. At 3am, we heard a strange noise come from down the street, and what sounded like clicking noises. We ignored it, thinking it was probably some sort of deer or some sort of animal or maybe just somebody messing with us. We did hear a lot of weird things out in the woods, and it was usual for deer to roam around the street at night. We did start noticing the clacking noises of feet, or hooves I should say, growing closer and closer. Then, all of a sudden, we heard a blood-chilling screech. At this point, we were all terrified. We prayed it was one of the local high rednecks messing with us. It wasn't, unfortunately. The noises that we were hearing before began to get louder, and they sounded more aggressive this time. We could tell that something was running at us because we could start hearing clacking noises, which would be hooves against the street coming towards us at an incredible rate. The creature had a foul smell. It smelled like rotting carcasses and crap. Through the mesh roof we could see it. Finally, it looked over. It had huge antlers. It was easily ten feet off the ground, with animal guts decorating its antlers. Then, its face. Its face was vomit-inducing. It had what looked like a moose or a deer head, maybe a mix of both, but it was oddly, oddly wrong. Everything was just dislocated. The jaw was just hanging on by a hinge. The creature looked like it might have even been decaying. Its mouth was hanging open super wide, easily like a foot wide, unnaturally. It was lined with teeth that were incredibly sharp that could cut anything. The eyes were deep blood red, and they seemed soulless. We tried not to scream as it was staring at us as to not put ourselves in further danger. Pat started whispering a Navajo prayer, and when she finished, she said something that I could not understand. And then the creature continued to stare at us intently. It began to circle us for what felt like 30 minutes. It was snarling and snapping at the tent, but it seemed like it couldn't come any closer, almost like there was an invisible force field around us. Finally, my mom came outside with the dog to take him for a walk. My dog is a Rottweiler and a strong one, too. The minute my mom saw this creature, she dropped the leash and ran inside to get the gun. But before she was back out, my dog had scared this thing off. She was a good girl and tough to the bone. My friends were sitting in shock, some crying, some not. When my mom returned, she checked on us and brought us all inside for the night. Not any of us slept a wink that night. Every noise made us jump. I'm now 22 years old, and I still have nightmares of that beast. The image of it is forever burned in my head. Thank you for sharing my story. The Creature in Upstate New York by Anonymous. I'm a 16 year old girl. This story happened around November of last year at my grandparents' house in upstate New York. Behind their house is farmland, and behind that are many acres of thick woods. There are several trails that have been created through these woods for walking or four-wheeling purposes. I've been going on these trails all my life, and have never truly felt that there is anything to be afraid of in there. I often listen to horror stories about being in the wilderness and sometimes wonder if I will encounter something scary, but I never thought I would. On the day this story takes place, We were at my grandparents' house to celebrate my aunt's birthday. Anytime we are there, me and my cousins always go into the woods to hang out and talk. This time I only went into the woods with one of my cousins, Grace. As we breached the tree line, everything felt normal. However, when we were probably half a mile into the trail, something felt off. My instincts were telling me something was wrong. It felt different than the usual paranoia I mentioned earlier. It felt like I had a real reason to be afraid. I did not mention anything to Grace. I didn't want her to think that I was paranoid or anything like that. As we kept walking, the feeling just did not end. Further into our walk, I swear I heard movement within the trees. I start to feel like we are being watched, and alarm bells start going off in my head. I was about to tell Grace that I think we should turn back, but her attention was focused on the side of the trail and the trees. She stopped walking, and said, what is that, while pointing into the trees. I tried to see what she was seeing, but I told her I could not see anything. Grace is taller than me, so perhaps she had a better vantage point than I did. Ah, she said, there's a deer over there. She slowly creeps into the trees, trying to stay quiet. I told her I think we should go because I was still a little freaked out. She replied telling me to stop talking so I would not scare away the deer. I could barely see her as she made her way close to the supposed deer that I could not see. I was looking around me because Grace's absence made me even more nervous. My heart sinks several seconds later as I hear a blood-curdling scream come from Grace and then the growing sound of crushing branches as she runs back towards the trail. She comes into view and I can finally see the thing she saw. And it is no deer. It was an extremely pale humanoid creature, but had a deer head, and it was pursuing her. I was frozen in place until Grace turned to the trail. She screamed for me to run, breaking my paralysis. I did not dare look behind me as we ran away from this creature, but I could still hear that it was chasing us. We managed to break through the trees into the field without it catching us. After that, I could no longer hear it until we reached the house. I believe what Grace and I encountered that day was a wendigo. It fits the physical description, but I also heard a video from Swamp Dweller recently about deer people, and I think it might even be that. We were in the Great Lakes region, though, which is why I do think it might be a wendigo. I know that it could have caught us and killed us if it wanted to, but I still wonder why it did not. Grace and I have tried to tell our other cousins about it, but none of them really believe us. I hope they never have to experience what we did. One thing is for sure, I will never return to those woods. Scary Things Lurk in the Smokies by Anonymous I do not remember exactly how old I was at the time. Maybe 14 or 15 years old. I had this crazy guy that lived on my street. Everyone called him Crazy Mike. He really was as crazy as you'd imagine. But more on him in a minute. I had this one friend that was a little wild. Let us call him Charlie. He was kind of the adventurous friend that got me to do some crazy stuff. We went through a phase for about 2 or 3 months where we would hang out a lot and it was honestly a lot of fun. One of the things we would do is explore the nearby woods. There was a lot of wildlife and anyone can go out there and explore as far as they wanted. We lived on a rather tall mountain and we would hike up the mountain when we had enough time for the day. We would hike back down and normally get back before dark. We normally took the regular roads back down because it was just a little bit easier to get home that way. My friend lived up a few roads from mine so I would walk to his house with him, and then go home by myself. I remember this one day, we had gone hiking through the creek. Bear in mind, it was freezing outside at the time, typical winter mountain. There was snow on the ground, and a lot of water was frozen. At one point, we had the bright idea of walking on the ice. As you might imagine, we fell into the water. It was not very deep or anything, not even enough to go above our chest, but... We were dripping with water, and it was about 5 degrees outside, and there was snow on the ground. But being the crazy kids we were, it just did not stop us. We continued hiking even after we got soaking wet. I do not know if we had just high tolerance to the cold or if it was adrenaline. We were all good, though. We continued for a couple of hours that day, but after a certain point, I finally talked him into heading home for the day. He agreed, and we went out and got on the road. We made our way back down like usual. But this is the point when I started freezing. I was too cold, and I knew my body was not going to make it back down. I knew that I was in danger, like getting near hypothermia or something. When we got to my friend's house, he was more than willing to let me come in and warm up for a few minutes. But just as we were getting to his house, my mom called me. She was angry with me because I had not answered my phone in probably more than an hour or so. I tried explaining the situation to her, but she just screamed at me repeatedly to come home, so I walked the rest of the way home, and that was that. This is where Crazy Mike comes in, because he lives one road above me, and it saves me about ten minutes of walking if I cut through a part of his property to get to my house. He had a big fence, but so did his neighbor. There was a small walkway kind of area between the two spots. I was obviously in a rush to get home and warm up. In fact, I was jogging most of the way. I had not heard anything from Crazy Mike by that point, so I figured it would be okay if I cut through his property this one time. I started going through, and that was when he came out of his house with an assault rifle. He pointed at me and started screaming at me like a maniac. Of course, I turned around and sprinted away. I ran all the way back home and told my mom. She honestly thought I was exaggerating and that I should not be cutting through people's property anyway. That was when I started asking people around the area about him. I heard some stories about Crazy Mike and some of the things that he would do. I heard that he was a conspiracy theorist, a drug dealer, a criminal, a felon, and a bunch of other stuff. If I had to sum it up all in one single phrase, a bad guy. Whoever I asked never had anything good to say about him and the part that freaked me out was that I still had to pass Crazy Mike's house on my way home every single day. I did not have to cut through his property, but I did still have to walk in front of his house on the road to get to mine, and that made me uncomfortable, because now I was constantly worried that I was going to get shot or something. I still would go hiking with Charlie and all that up and through the mountains, but there was no incident for a while, so I thought that was going to be the end of it. However, I noticed something else. He had video cameras on the outside of his property, looking out onto the road. I had never noticed them before, but now that I was aware of his insanity, I paid a little bit more attention. Whenever I walked by, the cameras would follow me. What freaks me out the most was that they were manually operated cameras. They were not the kind of cameras that just follow motion around. He was sitting there operating those cameras every single time I ever walked by. Watching me. I'm not sure if he was recording all the footage or not, but he had made me uncomfortable either way. I remember there was one time when I was walking home from Charlie's house at night. It must have been around 10 or 11. It was rather late, and even then the cameras followed me as I walked by. I thought that was going to be it. That nothing was ever going to happen again between me and Crazy Mike. Well, I was dead wrong. It was still during the same winter season, and I was walking home during a blizzard. I know, that's just the kind of guy I was. My mom was going to order pizza that night and I did not want to miss it. I passed by Crazy Mike's like I always did, and that was when something unexpected happened. He had a giant fence and it had to have been 15 feet tall, and it was thick wood. Part of it was open, and a dog ran after me. I could not tell what kind of dog it was, but it was angry and barking at me loud. It ran after me, and I could tell that it was going to bite me as hard as it could. I got a seriously violent vibe from that dog. I was lucky that I was in really good shape and managed to sprint away. I did not slip or anything else either. That situation could have turned bad fast. Anyway, my family ended up moving a few weeks later for unrelated reasons. My mom got a new job in a different state, so that was the end of my experience with Crazy Mike. And even now, I wonder what his problem was. Was he really a drug dealer or a criminal? Why was he so paranoid about having some kid walk in front of his house or cutting through a piece of his property? I've asked my friends on Facebook a couple of times if they have heard anything about Crazy Mike, and apparently nothing has changed. So, make of that what you will. I guess the moral of the story is is there are some crazy mountain people out there, so be safe. Sometimes, walking in front of their house is enough to set them off. I'll Never Revisit the Smoky Mountains by Brian So I am not entirely sure if this will make it to the show, but this is an experience that happened to my husband and I while we were exploring the Great Smoky Mountains, more so the Blue Ridge Parkway on the North Carolina side. We are both super into missing 411 and like to creep each other out with stories of skimwalkers. Anyway, we are driving along the Blue Ridge Parkway, stopping at the many different overlooks, and overall, it was gorgeous. We went back just a week ago, early November, and the weather was perfect. We had seen a few side roads, some named and some unnamed. I'm not 100% sure what possessed us to go off-road. We decided to take one of these unnamed roads. The road was gravelly, there was a bridge or a tunnel that we had to go through. It was covered in graffiti, so we thought, oh, okay, people come through here, there's graffiti, so clearly we're not the only people who have been down here, and we continued. We came across these three open gates to three different roads, one to our left, one to our right, and one straight in the middle. The one to the left had a gate that swaying outward, as if it were exit, and the other two swung inward like an entrance. So we chose the middle road and continued again. We started on down this road and suddenly the gravel turned to dirt and the road went from a decent size to a very slim one lane road. If you have ever been in the mountains, you know that the roads can be nerve wracking. Sharp curves, one side of the car facing the mountain and the other side clearly showing you a massive drop off the side of said mountain. Imagine all of that on this tiny road. If someone were coming up the road, I would have to back up. There was nowhere to turn. We went down this mountain for a good 20 minutes before we saw, on this dirt road, no bug sounds, no birds, absolutely nothing. There was a small turnoff. I decided to go down it thinking the road connected and took us back up. It probably did, but there was a stream going right over the part where the road was supposed to connect. There was a red truck on the other side of the stream. Two guys watching us. They crossed over the stream and went past us, looking at us and nodding. I got a glimpse of one of the guys, and something about him felt off. I cannot explain it, but I got a nervous feeling deep in the pit of my stomach. Now, I do not have an off-road car. I have a Tiguan, a mini-SUV. I do not even have four-wheel drive. None of this was a smart idea, I know." I decided I should not go over the stream in case my tires got stuck, and we did not have any cell phone service so we would not be able to call for help if the car did get stuck, so we decided to turn around. I am a master at three-point turns. This day, however, my husband had a feeling he should get out and help me turn around. I kept having this nervous feeling and did not want him to get out of the car, but he insisted, and so he did. He helped me turn around with ease and got back in the car, and we went back up the little side road, deciding whether to go back up the mountain to where we came in or keep going down. It was then that he told me he saw something in the stream as we drove down it, and that is why he wanted to get out and see what it was. It was a piece of metal, like sheet metal, like part of a broken guardrail, and it was sticking out of the ground like it was intentionally put there. There were no guardrails anywhere near us, There was no reason for there to be a chunk of metal stuck in the ground. We were surrounded by trees and nature, not a single metal structure anywhere nearest that could explain why this was there. He said after that he got an uneasy feeling. He didn't tell me any of this until we were back in our cabin, safe and sound, but for some dumb reason, we continued to keep going down this stupid mountain. We continued down the road for a little bit longer, thinking we were going to reach a bottom point and go back up the mountain and come out through the other gate. No, we reached a house. A single white house, not abandoned, just sitting there, hidden behind a bunch of trees, and at the near base of this mountain. I looked at my husband, who looked at me, who looked back at this house, and we said no, we gotta get out of here. We looked at the road ahead of us, and it continued to go down. Like how much further down can you go from the base of this mountain? I have no idea because when I saw that steep decline, where the road continued to go further and further down, I noped out. I turned the car around and we started driving back up this mountain. I want to mention that the further we drove this road, the quieter and darker it kept getting. It was 3pm on a super sunny day and the forest we were surrounded by on this mountainside was not very dense. I could look up and see blue sky clearly, but around us was this feeling of eerie and darkness. It was not a good feeling. Even as we turned and made our way up the mountain again, my husband was worried about other cars coming down, but I looked at the road and noticed our tire tracks were the only ones on this road. I got this immense feeling of being watched. I kept looking in my rear view, thinking I was going to see someone or something, maybe even that red truck from earlier coming up at us, but there was nothing, and I could not shake the feeling that something was watching us and was not happy that we were around. It was not until we were back at the top of the mountain where the road began we had heard birds again, heard the chirp of insects, and everything lightened back up. The air felt less thick, but our anxiety that stayed heavy for a couple of days after this. After this happened, we went to our cabin and looked up similar stories. We looked up a map of the area and tried to see if there were any missing people or any weird things that have gone around. Tons of people have gone missing in that area and we felt so stupid for being so careless. Thankfully, we are safe now, and just thinking about this sends shivers down my spine. Because what if we had kept going? What if I ran over that metal thing and busted my tires? What if the red truck came chasing after us? For anyone interested, or can find more information on what we experienced, we were in between Jenkins Ridge Overlook and Big Witch Gap on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from the deep woods. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. You can also submit them via reddit at r slash swamp. If you enjoyed these stories, be sure to punch that like button so it feels it. It helps me out a ton. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm and that helps fresh new eyes see this video. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day, in all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you made it all the way to the end, I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. If you made it to the end, also be sure to slip in that code word, "slithering Hockey Puck, to confuse anybody who didn't make it to the end. And I'd love to see all your funny comments. The funniest one will get pinned at the top. Thank you guys so much for supporting The Swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you all. I'll be sure to update you guys soon with a lot of cool things that are going on behind the scenes here in the swamp. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.